Hey everyone, JC here. So let's let's give everyone a few minutes here to join up maybe the feed. I wasn't sure if I was gonna do it today actually, but I'm just well enough to to do it so Okay, well, why don't we start slowly anyway, and then if people show up, then great. First of all, I wanted to promote my book once again. Hey, guys. Uh, Beyond the Obscure, I wanted to promote it once more. Please get the book. It's available in uh, print and ebooks as well. Um, I just raised the price for the print recently because... Uh, of the difference between that and the ebooks, just wanted to make it more even. Anyway, please get the book. I spent a lot of time on it. It's a very good story. It's a very unique story. Definitely, I, you know, like I said last time, I don't do anything mainstream or generic, so to speak. So I, I try to spend a lot of time trying to create something original and and uh, well, as original as possible, I should say just make the volume a bit less here I think the the interesting thing about book writing is that the first thing that people should admit is that there is really nothing new out there everything is kind of recycled from from something in the past so I admit it from the from the get-go that's my starting point I'm, I can't really create anything new but I can make a very good spin on things so in, in a nutshell that's what all um, writers and filmmakers do anyway they just put their spin on it it's to find something new today uh well good luck anyway today i wanted to talk about two things mainly uh the first thing is uh an autobiography because i um just checking the volume um since i started doing the podcast i never once talked about myself which is a bit weird you might say but I really wanted to jump into the the meat of the show talking about the Bible and you know religious things going on so today I thought it would be a good opportunity to actually talk about myself and then I just wanted to mention something about the midterms the midterms are coming up and um, well if we once we go into that I will explain a bit more my my position and so you can make up your own mind but anyway let's start with the autobiography so I was born in June 1983 in New York City my parents are both back then from the USSR from Moscow both of them um, but I was born in the US so what happened was my my dad worked for the United Nations so United Nations family and the deal with that is they get to travel abroad for a period of four years they stay and work in in that whatever country and then they go back and someone else takes their place basically so it's kind of a rotational system um, we were lucky of course my parents were lucky I should say to to go to the States at the time um, 
even in those days in the 80s, you know, if you talk to people in the Soviet Union, going to America was like the absolute ceiling. It was, it was really the dream. So anyway, my parents got lucky. I was born there, so I'm a, technically a dual citizen, but I'll get into that a bit, a bit later. And uh, so we went back to Moscow for a while. I spent about five or six years there just growing up, mostly with my grandmother because my parents were both working. And then we, uh, again, by luck, by sheer luck, my dad ended up um, with a contract in Switzerland. Again, four years, same thing. Uh, but what happened in that particular period is that the perestroika happened. So this is when uh, things really changed. Well, I mean, when USSR became Russia. And uh, that four-year thing got canceled or something. So we, we got to stay in uh, Switzerland, basically, as long as my dad was, was working, which was a very long time. And uh, so basically, yeah, I went, my entire education was, you know, in French school first, public school. Um, of course, my, my original language is, is Russian, but I, I learned French. I picked it up pretty quickly, even though it was a bit difficult at, at the beginning. And uh, then I switched to an international school. And then English uh, kicked in. And I had absolutely no problem with, with English whatsoever. Uh, it's funny now, actually, because if I rank my knowledge of the languages, English is definitely by far at the very top. And then it's probably French and, and then Russian. I, I didn't go to Russian school, so I don't know how to, how to write very well, for example. Uh, and of course, while well, you can see my, my book, it's, it's in English. So English is definitely my my primary language. The way that I studied English or languages in general in school was in, in two, two ways. First of all, of course, a lot of TV and, uh, and video games. Uh, things like Final Fantasy or Chrono Trigger, something with a lot of text. Of course, the first time I was reading it, maybe I I didn't understand much, but you know, you, you see something you don't know, then I can ask my parents. Both of them are, are translators, professional translators. So the assistance is right there. You just have to reach for it. And um, my international school was, you know, there was, there was no religion there. There was really kind of very a neutral environment, so to speak. Uh, we had people, of course, from, from Switzerland and people from the UK, from the US, um, from Germany, some, many, many countries. And we, we all even had the chance to learn German and Italian, but yeah, I, I didn't do very well on that. I tried to learn German for, for three years and that didn't go anywhere at all. Uh, and Italian, well, I tried for about half a year, so again, it didn't go anywhere. and. At school, I, I was having a bit of trouble because I, w I just had a hard time keeping up with, with certain subjects and especially sciences. I, I'm, I probably have a statue right now in my 
in my high school for, for the worst grades in uh, biology, chemistry, and, and physics, actually, and two, uh, and math, probably, as well. But th this is the thing I wanted to say, actually. This is, this is not entirely my fault, okay? Like, don't, don't just, you know, look at me and say, wow, you, you're, like, science Ill illiterate or something like that. I, I did try, but a lot of the things, a lot of the things do depend on, on teachers. And science has to be exciting. If the teacher doesn't excite you about science, then you just don't, you, you don't really feel it, you know? So anyway, I went through that, um, despite some teachers claiming that I would not pass the final exam, I passed it from the first time. I, I know what I have to do, okay? That's what I always tried to tell my parents. Uh, they were, of course, worried all the time, but I, I just told them, I know what I have to do. Just let me do it in peace. And I did. Um, Math grade wasn't so great, so I had to retake it uh, a year later, and um, I passed actually. So, and uh, you know, after that, I went to university in uh, Manchester, England. I spent three years there. It was a four-year program, but even in that time, um, the job situation was not great. So, basically, at the end of the second year some lecturers came talking to us and they said okay so you, of course you can do the third year which is a, a job placement year but the situation is not very good so if you want you can jump to the to the final year straight away and so I did why why spend more time than necessary and I, I took multimedia at university, so uh, I uh, I had some basic graphics classes. Unfortunately, some programming. I didn't want to do that, but you have to because it's all part of the kind of modules. Um, I took AI, which was well, it was interesting. I didn't I didn't learn actually how to do much AI, but I understood the the theory behind it. That was quite interesting. And um, so after university I I had a tough time trying to think what job I could do with what I learned a lot of people seem to have this problem recently uh, they, they finish college or university and uh, the, the skills that they learned is just not enough so you can't just walk into a, you know a Microsoft or a I don't know, Bioware or whatever the name was, a uh, game company. You can't just walk through the door and say like, hey, I'm here, like, who are you? So I thought, okay, what really interests me though and what disappointed me at university is that I didn't really do enough uh, graphic work. So I wanted to explore that a little bit more and um, I wanted especially to, to work with more video. In fact, if I remember the um, university brochure, if I, if I remember correctly anyway, they did mention there that um, students can take out cameras and go around and shoot stuff. But yeah, we had no cameras. There was no camera there ever. 
I didn't see a camera at university, okay, ever. So that was a bit weird. So I wanted to do that, so I pursued that. I went to Canada and uh, went to the Toronto International Academy of Design and Technology. Just rolls off the tongue. Such a long name. And the school, the school, by the way, is defunct now. They got sued because um, I, I, many, many things. One of the things is false advertising. They, they were promising uh, kind of degree programs, but there was no degree ever. Uh, it was just a certificate of attendance, basically. Book, ex book learning is different than actual experience. Yes, I agree, totally, absolutely. Um, so yeah, they, they, the school is gone now, uh, but while it was there, I actually found it extremely beneficial uh, because you get a semester, three months of this, three months of this, three months of that, and you learn quick. Uh, th this is not like a university program where you spent an entire year just studying the theory and then maybe in the second year they, they let you access the cameras. No, this, this was cameras from week one. That's, what I, that's exactly what I wanted, practical, hand-on experience. And I had trouble there at first too because uh, I, I didn't really have any, any stories to tell, so to speak. Um, I, I really wanted just to learn the, the, the camera work more uh, than writing and directing. Uh, so the first semester was, was not fantastic in terms of, of my directing work and, and neither was the second because we had to do a music video and music video I, I like occasionally but it's, it's not something that I would do on a regular basis. Although of course if people pay me then sure, then you know, that's a different equation. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. So see, my friend says that it's still around, but... Oh yeah, he's right, actually. Yeah, the school the school did reopen in a different place. Um, I, I'm, I also don't know who is there now, so no idea. I know that some people went to universities, so... The second, yeah, so the second semester was music video. I kind of struggled there as well. Third semester was documentary. Again, not really my thing, even though I did do a feature length documentary, which you can check out. Um, I'll drop a link later. Uh, that one won awards actually, so it's important for me. And um, we just did it kind of Koyaniskatsi style. So it was about nature. Um, the idea was the impact of, of men on nature. And um, it was kind of interesting because the teacher actually was first interested by it. And then when we actually showed the final product, he was like, ah, oh, well, this is not very good. And this shot is not very good. And this is like not on the uh, shot from the airplane. Well, of course, what do you expect? We have no budget. Of course, we're not gonna rent out the, the Hubble telescope and, and uh, shoot from there, you know? So that was a bit weird, kind of weird experience. Uh, I, it's just like, dude, you you kind of wanted us to make it, and now you, what what did you expect? Uh, but I really kind of woke up, um, probably towards the end of that semester, definitely in the fourth and the fifth ones. Uh, it's just we we had a group of, we had a small group, maybe four or five five people. We always work together usually, and um, for whatever X, Y, Z reasons, uh, some people were just busy, some people just 
were making very few projects and I just thought, okay, we're at film school, we, we spend a lot of money here, Let, let's just kind of do stuff that we can use when we leave the film school, we can, this is material we can use because I, I know many people who went to that same school and after, you know, one and a half years there, they had really nothing, just absolutely nothing to show, which is a major waste of time if you, if you ask me and, and money. Music video, the hardest lip sync. Yeah, that, that's true. Um, I mean, there, there's a, there's a couple of tricks you can do there. You can like move the, the music track a little bit earlier, uh, because, uh, usually the voice is, is ahead, but if you just kind of match it up, it's, it's, a, it's a bit better. Um, I'd like to do some more if, if it's possible on green screen, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I came to film school to make films, not goof around. Exactly, yeah. Uh, I remember this one class we had. Um, we were studying film history or something. And so each class was, I don't remember exactly, 50, 50 minutes or something like that. So this was already 40 minutes into the class. The, the lights are dimmed. We're watching some kind of thing. The teacher is showing us something. And just one guy suddenly strolls into the classroom da -da 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 -da, with his bag. And then he realized that he's in the wrong class and he's like, oh shit, I gotta get out of here. And he left, that was really funny. And uh, the teacher then said, see kids, don't do drugs. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so anyway, I pursued fourth, fifth term. I started to make more, more projects. Um, some things I recently removed from my from my website, but it's not like I'm disappointed with it. It's just I I feel that some of my work, more recent work, is just deserves to be on the on the website compared to more experimental stuff. Of course, I have experimental stuff too. But and after film school, same thing happened. So you have all this knowledge now. You have all these skills, but I guess in Toronto the business is actually quite small. And uh, it's all about networking also. I'm, I'm terrible at that. Not so good with people. So I, it, it's, it's hard to, to, to get a job. Um, so I had to do something else and I ended up teaching English in Asia for, for many years. Um, sometimes I would work in film occasionally. I mean, if, you know, if it pops up and I'm available and the money is acceptable, then I will do it. But these opportunities are, are quite rare. Um, and again, I'm, I'm an award filmmaker, award-winning filmmaker. It's, I've seen some films that go to film festivals. They, they, they use great cameras, they have great cinematography, and they don't win anything. And then, and then I look at my film and I win something. So I, I literally walk through the door I spent like no money or very small amount of money and I can win. So, well, that's, that's good for me, I guess. And, uh, and now, and now here I am. Now I'm in Japan 
uh, I've been here here for about five five years or so. Uh, same thing. Started here teaching English, and uh, in Japan it's it's quite different. I don't know. Of course, it depends on the school, I guess. I didn't have these issues when I worked in, say, Korea or China, but but here the the employers have kind of strict and strange requirements at the same time. So sometimes. Um, the employee here is is actually required to to clean up. That never happened before. I've never seen that anywhere else. But I know here it's part of the culture, so I'm not gonna you know. And uh, you know they require you to smile all the time, which is which is kind of a weird thing because I I don't like being forced to do these things. Smiling all the time is not natural unless you have some kind of mental disease or something. So, I don't know, there was a, like a to bunch of things that just weighed down on me and I, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I, I actually know people in Japan who experienced the same thing or even worse things, much worse things than that. They, I mean, yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll have to talk to other people, but don't, I mean, if you try, if you want to get a job here in Japan as a teacher, just be careful because th there's a lot of small things here which they, which you have to, to watch out for. Um, when I worked in China, Korea, for example, the company always paid my rent. And that's a huge, huge bonus if you don't have to pay the rent. In Japan, very few places do. That's just one example, but that's a very big example. It's an important example. It's a lot of money we're talking about. And so since I have a bit more time now, People that smile all the time are creepy uh, as fuck. Yes, I agree totally. I mean, like Joker, right? I mean, think about the Joker. I mean, that's absolutely unnatural. It's as unnatural as it gets, literally. Great movies in the 70s were made on drugs. Yeah, probably. In the 80s too, I guess. Plus the crazy hair. So since I have more time uh, after leaving my job, well, it's it's kind of hard because, you know, I I basically work on my own. I did make a few projects here in Japan with a small team of people. Um, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Depends on the people. But I've made a couple of short films. I made, of course, the documentary on religions, which. Man, that was a lot, lot of work. I mean, that's, that's two years of work right there. I mean, okay, sometimes, yes, you're waiting for some kind of location, but, but still, overall, it's a very long, long process. And I, of course, I do the podcast, so Age of Reason. And I do this, this type of thing. I'm going to try to do it every Friday. So what I'd like to do with this, actually, is sometimes it will be talking um, but I have other things in mind as well. I would like to, for example, do a kind of director's commentary on my films. I, I've never done it, but I really want to do it uh, because there's a lot of things there I could talk about, and it's it's a promotion from my for my films as well. So, um, so that's that's pretty much it. Um, I don't know, I grew up, uh, so in conclusion, I guess, I grew up in a 
very not religious family. It's true that my grandparents, perhaps they, they were, but they definitely never pushed it on me ever. And uh, my mother, I mean, when I was young, my mom used to read stories to me and uh, sometimes the stuff she would read would be considered quite advanced like Ray Bradbury, for example, I, I don't know. I mean, reading it at a, at a young age, the, the Martian Chronicles, for example, it's okay, it's a good story, but uh, yeah. So when she did read the first story of the Bible to me, it was actually the story of Jonah and the whale. And when she finished reading it, I was, I kind of knew it was, come on, it's, it's a joke, it's fiction. It's clearly fiction, okay? and. I interpreted everything since then as as a piece of fiction uh, from the Bible anyway and I guess my my parents are a little bit what you would call spiritual but again once we you know once we start talking about the evidence and I ask them for evidence yep there is just not much nothing really so you know, whether you're religious or spiritual, you have to you have to back up your claims. You can't just say, uh, "Well, but God exists out there. I know it." Okay, how do you know? I mean, the burden of proof is on you. If you're making a claim, then you have to demonstrate it somehow. Good luck demonstrating a God, or the supernatural, for that matter. Oh boy, here we go, fire engines. There's always some kind of fire around here. Well, not around here, but in that in this area. All right, so just waiting for the for the noise. Uh, I just wanted to mention today about the midterms election. So the midterm uh, is um, is like next week or something. Um. How can I how can I uh, explain this? Okay, so of course we we know that we have two parties, but both parties I believe are in the same bed. And uh, my opinion on on U.S. politics, and I do follow U.S. politics, but my opinion is very much like Jimmy Dore. Um, so again, if you don't know who that is. Uh, go to YouTube, Jimmy Dore. He has his own show, uh, podcast. Uh, he invites people regularly. He talks about politics. I think it's the bulk of his show. It's very good. It's um, it's a very quite well researched. Sometimes I disagree with him. I mean, the, the one time uh, he mentioned the story about the Uber. Uh, car crashing and he was like okay we need to stop like all the uh, self-driving cars N no that's not the answer you th this is just I don't agree so again he's not you know he's not a deity I don't have to agree with everything that he's saying but when it comes to politics he is pretty good and so I just wanted I had this exchange on uh, Facebook a while ago so Let's just go through that. And I just want to show you how people are not thinking. Let me just switch here. Okay, so I'm a bit smaller. And uh, so we go with that. Uh, I don't remember what the original post was, but it was something about uh, about the election. 
So um, it was just me and this, this woman here. And she's saying it's good to run progressive candidates in districts where they can win, but it's a stupid idea to run them in districts where a moderate centrist might win. The idea is to get Democrats in seats, whether progressive or centrist. Okay, so before I even comment on that, let's just go to my answer because it will make it easier. Okay, so I said I disagree completely. It depends on who is the Democrat, because if it's another corporate Democrat, then how is that good for the people? And you must be aware that the DNC is already pushing most of the progressive candidates out of, of local races. Um, yeah, that's happening. This is actually happening. And it's, it's not surprising that it's happening. There was a, um, a kind of phone call or something, or a conversation that was recorded between a progressive candidate and the uh, one of the top guys at the DNC and the, the, the top guy was basically telling that progressive candidate, ah, just get out, you have no money, you have no, no chance of winning because we have all the money. So we, we have all the power and you can just show up and take our place basically. So that was insane. But I did a podcast that was with Jeremy at the time where I went in depth into these things. I, I showed how insane this whole environment is right now and how people are not thinking. I continued here, most of Democrats, including Warren, w voted for Trump's military bill expansion late last year. Well, late last year, I, I guess it still is the case. Yeah, I'm just trying to get my, my dates right. Uh, $80 billion. And yes, Bernie voted against it. Yes, that was a vote. I do have the, um, the record of that somewhere. Um, yeah, almost everybody voted for a military expansion. And there's another one, I think, coming or already, already passed. I'm not sure. Again, if you're for promoting the country's well-being, if you want to you know, talk about education and healthcare, why are you spending even more money on on military? You're gonna drop bombs on people that you've never met in your life and who happen to live in the Middle East mostly. And then you, you wonder why we have so many enemies. Well, perhaps, perhaps because our priority is war. And just to go back to the first point, it, it really matters who is the Democrat because I don't want, I'm not going to vote for another corporate Democrat because they do not give us anything. They, they're just a different color, a different shade if you want, but essentially the same thing. If they were different, then why are they all voting to expand the military budget? Why, why is Tim Kaine so actively voting against people's interests? So she continued and she said, let me get this. So what? So what? I like that. So what? Any candidate is going to vote your way on some things and others people way on others. That's the way democracy works. We all have to be willing to compromise, but we're not compromising. We're surrendering everything. If you hold out for a candidate who's in your corner all the time, you'll wait a long time. We need Democrats in the seats uh, and at the Fed level and state. The centrists and progressives can then debate policy without the shadow of destructive republicanism hanging over our heads. 
uh, okay, well, we had eight years of Obama, and what really changed? If you can't answer that question adequately, then eight years of Obama, we had the banks getting bigger, we had expansion of wars, he, uh, he famously went to Flint and drank out of a, he drank water or something, and he claimed that now the water is clean. Who is he? Who was he trying to fool? The people there have lead poisoning. I mean, people dying from lead po poisoning or getting serious diseases from that. And uh, the people know better than somebody coming from another state to show up for one event, one night. People know better than that. So what I said is that, seriously, you've seen the damage corporations do in elections. They buy the politicians. That's the whole point. We were, we, ever since I really started getting into US politics, I started hearing the thing, we need to get money out of politics. I hear it almost on a daily basis. We need to get money out. Citizens United, we need to get, and nothing's happening. Nothing is happening. They buy the politicians, they own them. The politicians rarely vote on what people want, but they always vote on what the corporations want. A recent study found that the will of the people has little to no effect on policies. I just told you that Democrats go along with Trump more often than not, yet you say that somehow the Democrats are different. The military budget increase is a huge deal, like I mentioned. Uh, for 30 I think the, the latest figures that I've seen is that for $30 billion, we could add, end world hunger. And for uh, $20 billion, we could end homelessness in the United States. You can solve two problems. And you, you still would have $30 billion to spare instead of wasting, and I, I do mean that word, wasting money on weapons. Or are these things irrelevant? You need to take a closer look at the way votes break down. The Democrats aren't holy. It's not a simple matter of voting red versus blue. Um, and again, we, we talked about that on the show with Jeremy. Uh, most people, you know, they, they, they only hear, the only thing they hear is maybe five minutes of a politician's speech. And they basically have to, they make the, their decision based on those five minutes that they heard. And politics is a difficult field. You You can't, fit everything into a tweet. It takes a longer time, definitely more than five minutes of your attention span. What we have right now in the US is essentially one big club that do the bidding of rich folk. Uh, if you go back some decades ago, even uh, George Carlin was talking about that. He was saying, it's a big club and you ain't in it. And he's not in it either. They're not there to help people like you or me. What I mean there is that people who are, you know, struggling, uh, who are not rich, the benefits, it, it seems to me actually recently that there is even more pressure on the middle class, there's even more pressure on the poor to, to cut poor programs, poor people programs, food stamps, war, war on food stamps. Uh, people just don't, don't understand it. What I would like to see is universal uh, basic income. That I would like to see. And they, they did have this trial in Toronto, actually, I think, or in Ontario, in the state of Ontario. 
but uh, they had this this guy elected there and basically he kind of canned the whole program so we'll never find out how successful it was but the initial data that was coming from that and by the way Scandinavian countries are definitely trying that out uh, but in the Ontario example, we'll never have, unfortunately, the data to see whether it was a success or not. The, the first information that came, though, is that uh, most people were reinvesting that money back into the economy. Uh, they were more actively looking for, for work. Uh, so I disagree with this argument that, you know, if you give people money, like universal basic income, they, they would just stay at home and do nothing. Most people want to work. Most people want to do something. I want to work. I, I don't get paid at all. I get paid nothing. But I still make videos. I still make movies. I, I, I write a book. It's out of frame now, but it will show up in a second. So most people want to do something. Doing nothing is great, but it gets boring really fast. Trust me. And, and the final thing that she said is, is she posted this picture. So Democratic Party, we're not perfect, but they're nuts. This is, this, this is the worst argument or definitely one of the worst arguments I will ever hear when it comes to elections. Because what it means is basically, okay, so they're fascists, but we, we are not like uh, as fascisty as them. So the, the bar is just a little bit higher. But I'm wondering about the representation of the people. We, we have Democrats in government. We have uh, Republicans in, in power. And uh, yeah, it's true that some things get, get worse. But overall, though, for the needs of the nation, both parties are not doing enough. So. Yeah, I would like to see progressive, more progressive candidates actually winning. And you know, if you see if you see a ballot, if you if in your state there's really uh, you don't like anybody, then just don't vote because, man, I I would not want to be the guy who votes for someone who I I don't like anybody on the list. I I would just not vote then, or vote green. Or anything, anything except the corporate, corporate monsters we have. So, anyway, of course, I know people are going to say, "Oh, but you're you're a Trump supporter." Not at all. I've never said that. I'm just saying you have to look at the big picture. Let me switch back here for a second. So, yep, you have to look at the big picture always. It's it's difficult, and I know it's difficult in the U.S. because everybody's bombarded by uh, by media. 24-7, it's, it's like this, this noise in your head coming from all directions. And, and it's hard to remove yourself from that. I, I know that. I've lived in the, in the States for a bit. I, I mean, after I was, of course, outside of the time I was born. I, I know it's hard. Um, and, and a lot of people work long hours. And some people have two, three jobs. They basically just have the time to, to work, uh, go back home, sleep, and then the next day it's the same thing. There is no time to, to research things, to, to, to get more informed. This is, the system is designed this way. 
I, for example, wouldn't want to see more increase to NASA. I'd like to see the NASA budget increase. It's a joke. It's getting to be ridiculous now. Um, it's, it's the one program that usually has a multiplier effect, what we call in investment. So uh, a lot of the things that were developed up there, like mi microchips, for example, then eventually they trickle down to our homes. We, we have now, you know, cell phones with, uh, with very small circuits in there. So <sighs> GPS, of course, yeah, I mean, bunch of bunch of stuff that maybe, okay, maybe initially it started from the military branch, but eventually it comes to us. So yeah, I would like to see things like that happen, but it's not going to happen with, with Democrats, corporate Democrats and corporate Republicans in power. I just don't see it. So anyway, well, that's uh, all I wanted to say today, really. So I'm going to try to do these every Friday. We'll see how it goes. My health is, is a bit unstable still. So like I said, I don't know what I will do. Maybe sometimes it will be a, a talk talking like this about some, some stuff. And feel free to ask me questions in the chat while I'm doing it or post your comments in the uh, post your questions in the comments and I'll get to them later. Get my book, please support independent art. It's it's very hard to to get out there as an artist. It there are this is the thing like ah that's what I wanted to mention. So I know that this this book is not free. I see a lot of free books out there. But I think the reason why they are free is because the writers probably write a lot, many, many books, I don't know, a month, but definitely many books a year. So in that case, they can afford to have one or two books a year, which would be just kind of free, basically promotion. That's not my case. When I write, it takes a long time. I mean, this book, I, I put a year putting together but of course, there were years of preparation before that. And so I'm not writing often. So I can't make it for free. So please support my, my book. Please buy it. It's available in print and ebook. Uh, please support my films. There's no charge there. It's free, all of them. And I just finished uh, a recent uh, short film, so it's going into the fe film festivals, hopefully from next year. So unfortunately, people cannot see it because film festivals have uh, very strict rules regarding premieres and where it's shown and stuff like that. So, But anyway, maybe from 2020 or later, it will be public. But all my other work is available on my website, so please check it out. I'm sure you'll find something that you like. My stuff is very, it's, it's unique, let's say. It's, I, again, I try to, to make stuff different from other people. Having said that, I also have absolutely no budget or extremely low budgets. So, you know, if you go in there and you expect some kind of Hollywood feature, don't, because it's indie work. But having said that, indie work is not uh, synonymous with bad. There's a lot of great indie work out there. But to get exposure, that's difficult. So 
anyway on that note i will finish here um have a good weekend and uh i will see you next friday <laughs>